0: As we mark 20 years since that tragic day, Q104.3 explores that question with 9-11 Stories, a podcast presented by Barish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community. Each week, we present a 9-11 story from first responders, celebrities, and everyday people whose lives were forever altered that day. And now, here's your host, Shelley Sunstein.
1: This is the 9-11 story of Elvis Duran, the host of Z100's hugely popular morning show for the last 25 years. He was thinking of quitting radio before 9-11.
0: So September 11th, 2001, uh, started out just like every other day. I'm sure this is the same story with everyone, not knowing what was going to happen that day and the days to, to follow. I, I'll back up and tell you that on September, on September 10th. We had a Z100 radio station powwow. We had a big meeting to talk about the future of the radio station and research and ratings and all that business stuff. And uh, I left that meeting on September 10th thinking, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't understand this business I'm in anymore. I'm going on the radio and talking about insignificant things. Does anyone even hear us? Do we have a voice? It didn't make sense. And I was actually contemplating leaving business, the business. September 11th rolled through. And of course, it wasn't about me and my, my career at all. It became about the world. It became about our listeners. It became about politics. And our jobs in radio became very important that day. Actually, the day after. Let me back up. September 11th, 2001. We all showed up. Maybe we had a big staff, like 10, 15 people running around the radio station just doing our show, and we were talking about <laughs> something like, uh, oh, well, if you're on, in a chat room on your computer and you're talking to someone who's not your partner, is that cheating? That was our big, oh, my God, our big story of the day. And then it all changed when Tim Louie, my phone producer, who was sitting with his back to World Trade Center because our studios were looking right at World Trade Center from New Jersey. He said, they think a helicopter just hit the World Trade Center tower. And we were all kind of looking out there and like, you can see a little smoke trail coming out. And uh, then we got more reports. No, it was a, an airplane. And then it was a commercial airliner that hit the top of the World Trade Center, that one tower. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We didn't know what to think of it. And then when the second plane hit the second tower, it was obvious what was going on. That's when I watched my close friend, Danielle Monero, who still co-hosts the show with me now. That's when she fell down to her knees and started crying. And that's where, when everyone started to go into a different mode. My mode was, let's stay focused. Let's figure out what we're doing here. Let's uh, turn on news, a news channel, audio from a news channel here in, in New York City. Because no one wants to hear us at that point. Number one, we're not qualified news gatherers. Number two, we didn't know what was going on. So we just turned up audio from, I think, Channel 5, Fox 5. And that's when everyone realized when that second plane hit that this was unlike anything we'd ever witnessed before. So a blur, you know, I I just kept making decisions, telling people, go home, get in your cars and go home. And I stayed at the radio station for an hour or two, just trying to collect my thoughts and figure out what we're gonna do next. Didn't know what to do, so I went home. I remember getting home and I was doing construction on my house out here in the middle of New Jersey, about an hour west of the city. And it hadn't hit me what was going on. I've been listening to the news. We knew it was a terrorist attack of some sort. We didn't know who was next. We didn't know what was next. We heard about the Pentagon. We heard about the plane crashing into the field in Pennsylvania. We didn't know where it was going. No one knew. And I was, I was holding it in all morning. And I, and I gassed up my car on the way home just to make sure I could drive if I had to. And a little bird... I'll never forget this. A little bird flew right into the window in the room I was sitting in watching TV. And I ran outside and the little bird had broken his neck and he was barely clinging on to the last of his life. And that's when it all became real. It is. I, I, I finally understood what had happened that morning. This little bird woke me up. I think the big story that a lot of people in, especially in New York tell, is not really what happened on 9-11, but what happened on 9-12. We drove in to Jersey City to our studios. There were men with machine guns everywhere. Ladies with machine guns too, I saw them. Checking IDs, why are you here? Why, why do you need to get close to the river, Hudson River? Well, we have jobs to do. We showed them IDs, they finally let us through, and we got up into our floor again, looking at the lights coming from the the ground zero area, the smoke still smoldering. You couldn't really see anything other than smoke at that point the next day. We sat around, the few of us that got into work, looking at each other, like, what do we do? What is our part in this? Uh, At one point, around 10 till 6, we went on at 6 a.m. At 10 till 6, I walked into the, the dark control room, all the lights on our control board were up and I'm like, you know, tell me what are we supposed to do? And I'll never forget, I looked down at our phone lines, 20 lines coming into Z100 and every one of them was flashing at 10 till six in the morning on September 12th. So without even telling anyone else, I put my headphones on, I turned down the audio from Fox 5, which had been on Z100 all night. I pushed the button and said, good morning, Z100, who is this? How can I help you? And that's when our day started. Hey, you know, we live in South Jersey. My father never came home. Uh, Can you put his name out there? Maybe maybe he hears you. He was in Tower 1. Well, we all knew what happened to the towers, right? Next call. Hey, I'm walking down the Jersey Turnpike trying to get home. I'm at the rest stop. If someone could, if you could pick me up and take me home, it'd be great. And it, we started an entire day of that, figuring out what our role was in this. And it was what radio was set up to be in the very early days to serve the public. We were granted these licenses by the U.S. government. I never really stopped to think that we're supposed to be serving the public, not just playing the same songs over and over, right? Right. So we were there, we were on there all day that day. And uh, the phone calls kept coming in. We're trying to make sense of it, a lot of sadness. We were asked to uh, put the call out for supplies because right underneath our studios were the ferry docks where all the ferries would take commuters over to the World Trade Center area every morning. Well, these ferries were now supply ferries. So, hey, we need we need baby booties to put on the dogs so they won't hurt their, their paws. We need food. We need anything you can send down to ground zero, anything. The next thing I saw was smoke, not coming up from across the river, but smoke downstairs below our building. We realized that a local steakhouse had showed up with their grills and they were grilling all sorts of anything they could find from their kitchens to send over to everyone working at ground zero. And this is what we did for several days. We served the public. And that's when I realized that, Hey, there is, there is a need for what we do. There is. I think my number one memory that's branded into my brain is uh, the first tower had already fallen. We watched it fall right in front of us. I was in my car heading out of Jersey City, and people were in the streets pointing up behind my car. And I just stopped and I looked down at my rearview mirror and I watched the second tower fall in my rearview mirror behind me. And uh, you know, that little sign at the bottom that says objects are closer than they appear? <laughs> it was very close, too close. And that's really my story. I left a lot out, I edited a lot for you
1: was there ever a point i find i don't know about how you react to emergencies the way i react to an emergency situation like that is to just focus on the job at hand which is my job you know communicating and and communicating like you said what is needed or just people vetting just people venting just people getting their emotions out and it's only after and and of course it's hard to say when this emergency was over because it went on for weeks it went on for months but there is always a point where you can catch your breath and that's when the emotion hits me right when did the emotion hit you when you weren't just functioning but is there a time that Elvis Duran fell apart?
0: Yeah, well, the first time I fell apart was when a little baby bird flew into the window that afternoon on 9-11 and I watched him die. And that, that bird to me was an airplane. You know, I, I made all these connections uh, in my in my mind and in my heart. But you know what? I, I lost it most. The good times I lost it watching people and what they were capable of doing to help other people. In New York, we're so fast paced. We've got to get there now. If you're in my way, I'm going to mow over you and (laughs) F you this and get out of my way. I started breaking down when I had an opportunity to admire what people were capable of doing to help each other. And then I also another time that, you know, those days following, I would break down seeing how this was such an emotionally taxing situation for the people I love the most. And it, you, you never really feel like you can do enough for them, right? Uh, and I would break down. But you know what? When there is a job at hand, and there, were, I, I actually saw a part of myself I'd never seen before. I was focused. Blinders were on. I knew what was going on, but I knew that if I didn't jump on the horse and get into the battle to try to save our show and save our radio station and save our friends and our listeners that I would probably lose it myself. So I think I think that helped me, you and other people who experienced the same thing.
1: It sounds like 9/11 really changed your life because here you were thinking of leaving radio because you're thinking I don't even know what this business is anymore. So it sounds like that was the pivotal moment for you where you knew that you had a mission on air. You had a role to play and you knew that this was your role. Am I, am I right in what I say?
0: Shelley, you know, this is the way I look at it. And you, you and anyone else who does what we do for a living may agree with this. There are people going through tragedy, tragedies every day. Luckily, we don't have the tragedy of that, that scope happening every day in our lives. That was a nightmare still is for a lot of families for all of us in a way that we may not even recognize but someone's in their car driving to work here in a you know 20 years later and they're they're driving into a bad situation where a boss is abusive or they're leaving an abusive situation back behind them at home just to go to work for relief these are the tragedies that people are dealing with every day and i think it's important for us to do our our part so to give them 20 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes of just uh, an exit from that for a moment, a chance to breathe, you know? Um, and that's when I realized what we do, there is importance to what we do. And then I realized all these other people who were helping out, there's importance with everything we do. And it's up to us to to apply that importance to what we are doing in life. It's important for us to be important, <laughs> I guess. Otherwise, what are we doing, you know?
1: Is there anything else you
0: want to add? I'm sure a lot of people who are a part of this right now, uh, you feel the same way where it still hurts. it's It still makes me want to cry. 20 years later, you know, look, we saw what all these families went through, the sacrifices they made, sending their loved ones down to ground zero to try to put the pieces together and they lost their lives now. It's, I do truly know for a fact that this has impacted us all in ways we'll never truly be able to identify, because I still—I don't know about you—I still get torn up thinking about it. That, wow. And I, you know what else I think about? I think about all the innocence lost, kids, and with all of us, we all lost some innocence, and the world has not been the same since. Thank you, office. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another chapter of 9-11 Stories, a podcast presented by Barrish and McGarry, lawyers for the 9-11 community and New York's classic rock, Q104.3.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking
0: people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Ah in my dentist's office.